and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Radley Haddad of the New York Yankees. Now, before we jump into this week's show, I want to give you a very brief recap of the week that was, what's new, noteworthy, and going on in our world here in beautiful Indianapolis. So it's been an interesting week, to say the least. Soccer offseason is kind of wrapping up. So decided Jess, I, some of our neighbors and friends, we would take the kids to Great Wolf Lodge, which if you're unfamiliar with Great Wolf Lodge, it's basically like the world's largest indoor water park. It's attached to a hotel. Everything is there. So pretty sweet setup. But towards the end of last week, Kendall comes home from school. She's not feeling well. She gets up Friday. She's just a no-go. Like she's not going anywhere. So her and I spent a good portion of Friday on the couch watching movies I went in, coached a little bit, came back, you know, just laid it, laid low all day. Saturday, kind of the same thing. She laid low, took Kate to basketball, got a quick workout in, but again, just a really low key evening. And then, so yesterday, Sunday, we head to Great Wolf Lodge and she's on the up and up. We get 20 minutes outside of Cincinnati, go to Chipotle and big man wants nothing to do with his lunch, which, you know, kind of depends on the day with that guy, but he just was not interested in having anything. Bebopped around the water park for about two hours. And he's like, dude, he's just like, dad, I'm done. Wanted to go. So (laughs) between that, the illness plaguing us after that workout on Saturday, I don't know what happened, but I think it was sitting in the car. I kind of set my jacket behind myself in an awkward position and drove man, got out of the car absolutely wrecked. Like I looked like I was about 95 years old trying to walk around the water park to start the day. And then, you know, the worst part is if you've ever irritated something in your back, it's like if you get up and you get moving, you know, kind of just loosen things up, you're really not too bad. You're kind of like, oh, okay, I can deal with this. But laying in bed last night, you know, whatever time, 1230 in, in the morning, I realized I got to go to the bathroom. And so literally I stand up, it takes me about 30 seconds just to roll myself out of bed. And then I can't, I can't walk straight forward. So I basically have to do like a lateral shuffle. So I'm facing sideways, pushing off my right foot. Like I'm basically a basketball player now standing straight up, right? Cause I can't bend, I can't flex. Everything's kind of locked up. Um, so yeah, it was a, a less than spectacular weekend. But you know what? Sometimes things just don't go your way. And I tried to remind myself like, yeah, you know, this stinks. It's not the ideal situation. Kendall was still run down. She didn't want to, you know, kind of hang out as much as usual. Cade was just, you know, dead to rights. But, you know, we're laying there Sunday night and just relaxing and we're watching The Mandalorian together all snuggled up. And so I try and always look at it. I mean, if you listen to this show, you know, I'm ever the optimist. So I just kind of looked at it as, yeah, you know, this stinks. It's not how we would choose to spend our time here. But, you know, all in all, we're super healthy. We love each other. Everything is good. So anyway, best best case scenario. Uh, we're home now, so I'm excited about that. And uh, yeah, that's basically the weekend recap. Uh, as far as things that are coming up this week, I'm, you know, going to be honest. I'm going to flip this very quick because it's... 7 p.m. right now as I'm recording this on Monday night. I have a flight tomorrow at 6.15 a.m. going to San Francisco to see Glenn. Me and Joey are going to head out there for a couple days, see him, catch a game, maybe get just a little bit of work in, but really just catch up with him, see how he's doing, see how his body's holding up. 
and really excited to catch up with him. And beyond that, I've got just a laundry list of housekeeping and projects that I want to finish up. So stuff that I want to get done for iFast that I've been thinking of, you know, just some web page updates. I've got to get prepped because when I come back Friday night, come around literally Saturday, 9 a.m., we've got a coaching workshop at iFast, very small, intimate affair. So excited to do that. Yeah, it's going to be a, a busy week, but always excited, you know, just feel very blessed for the opportunities that I've got, blessed to have an amazing family, and of course, blessed to have people like you that listen to the show. So as always, you know, I love and appreciate you. I'm very thankful that people like you listen to the show. Hopefully it gives you a little bit of something every week that's going to make you better. And speaking of getting better, here in just a moment, we're going to talk to my guy, Radley. Radley's a guy I've known for geez, seven, eight years now, at least, and somebody that's been very cool to watch his growth and development over the years. So quick break, and then we're going to jump into this awesome new episode with Radley Haddad. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. And the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the cert is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next cert will launch in March of 2020, and if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Bradley Haddad is a guy I've known for close to a decade now. I first met and coached him as he was working his way through the ranks as a collegiate and minor league baseball player, and it's been really fun watching his growth and evolution over the years. In short, Radley is easily one of the hardest working and most dedicated athletes I've ever met, so it's no coincidence he's having massive success now as a coach. Radley's current role is a little hard to put into a single descriptor or title, but generally speaking, he's asked to work on advanced scouting, data analysis, and player plan development at the major league level for the New York Yankees. In this show, Radley and I talk about his progression from athlete to coach, the two types of self-evaluation, and how they go about creating action plans for their athletes to ensure they grow and develop from year to year. There are a few people I have more respect for than Radley, so I truly hope you enjoy this show. But enough for me, let's do this. 
Bradley, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Super excited to catch up with you. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Appreciate that, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I was thrilled when I got the invite. Yeah, born and raised in Indiana, moved around over the state a little bit, but spent most of my time in Indianapolis, grew up playing baseball, ended up graduating from Butler University. And at this point now, I'm working for the Yankees on the major league staff as the bullpen catcher coaching assistant, just trying to soak it in every day and been fortunate to work with some really great people and connect with some great individuals all around the game and the sports performance industry. And I consider yourself one of them. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for today. Thanks, man. Thanks. So, you know, normally I would ask somebody like, how did you get started in physical preparation? But talk to me a little bit about baseball. Like, when did you get started? What was your career like there? Sure. Yeah. You know, I got started when I was young. I played all the way um, since I was five, six years old, you know, with my buddies in the backyard all the way through travel ball and high school and then played at two different universities. I started my career at Western Carolina University. I spent two years there and then transferred back to Butler University playing time concerns. So I, I wanted sure. to play every day and get myself noticed. So that was probably one of the, the key decisions to my career. It got me on the field and got me in front of scouts and Ended up getting an opportunity with the Yankees and played four years in the minor leagues. And then uh, after my fourth season, I went to spring training and they asked me if I wanted to be in the role that I'm in now. And here we are. That's awesome. Years later. Yeah. That's awesome. So talk to me about, I mean, your career path is kind of short, right? It's like you were an athlete and then you're a coach. So I know that you talked about like your job description is not easily summarized, but could you give us just an idea of what your day looks like on a day-to-day basis? Like what are you in there doing? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's evolved year over year. So my, my first year, it was very educational, just kind of learning the ins and outs of the daily process within the major league team and the New York Yankees. Um, You know, it's a huge operation every day. We know we're traveling. We have all this equipment, all these scouting reports we got to get done. So my first year was, you know, very like doe eyed. Here I am, you know, in Yankee Stadium. I was just kind of getting my feet wet. And then since then, I've just kind of started asking questions, trying to be a sponge, asking for more responsibility, picking up slack wherever it's needed. And in the last two years or so, I've kind of found a niche within the advanced scouting role, kind of more game plan preparation. If you were going to break it down, I would say 50% of my day is spent doing some advanced scouting, game plan prep. 25% is probably game review and more player objectives, like figuring out how we can get our guys better, put them in better positions to succeed. And then, you know, the last part of the day is spent on the field with the players. I deal a lot with pitchers and catchers on the field, just getting them ready to go. And then obviously during the game, I'm in the bullpen and getting those guys um, prepared to enter the game and, you know, go take down the opponent. I love it. I love it. Did you have something else? This year, we got a new pitching coach, a new bench coach, and a new catching coach. So, you know, it it definitely could continue to evolve. I would say the, the general part of my job is to support our coaching staff and their skill sets with my own. Just kind of fit in whenever I can and, and help them to uh, optimize their skills. You're like a jack of all trades, it sounds like. like a yeah, little bit I mean, of everything. Like, utility guy. Yeah, you get the generalist versus specialist conversation a lot. Like we have a pitching coach that's, that's like focused just on pitching and then you have um, hitting coach focused just on hitting. I try to kind of encompass it all and, you know, find a way I could help each guy get their job done on a daily basis. Love it. Love it. So talk to me about advanced, advanced scouting. Like what the heck does that even mean for somebody that isn't into baseball or doesn't know like what you do? Like what is, what is advanced scouting? Sure. So the word, the word advanced kind of, you can look at it two different ways. Like we're looking ahead to our next opponent, our next series or two series down the line. So like maybe today we're playing the Boston Red Sox, but next week we're playing the Toronto Blue Jays. Most of my time would be spent 
than on the next series because I've already prepared for Boston uh, in, in the past week. Gotcha. The other way to look at it is I'm just digging deeper than the surface level scouting. Like everybody knows that Chris Sale is a good pitcher, but what more can we learn about him from analysis of data or video to provide our guys a better chance to succeed against him that day, whether it's a you should sting or, you know, finding something on him that we can that we can take into the box or finding something on their hitters that we can provide our our pitchers with whether it's tendencies or um trend lines or something like that so i got gotcha. you um, so where does that fit into like your day-to-day process because i mean anybody like you don't even have to follow baseball and you know like you guys are on the field like basically every day right so when do you find time to go in and talk about this stuff and game plan when you're on the field and playing games basically every day yeah the daily game throws a different variable into it you know with the nfl and with with the nba those guys are playing either once a week or once every couple days so they have you know time to prepare for one opponent our our series are three four game series but they are every day so a lot of my prep takes place in the morning you know i wake up head to the park get my workout in and then from maybe noon to 2 30 i'm spending a lot of my time diving in on the computer looking at our scouting reports watching video doing stuff like that and then we'll head out onto the field with guys 2 33 o'clock to start doing the skill work so you know it is a a full like some people say nine to five mine's more like a 11 to to 10 but um, <laughs> right. they, they get to be long days but when you enjoy what you do i'm sure you, you feel the same way and it goes by fast and it doesn't really feel like work no no and i i mean i can attest to this and i know you feel the same way it's like you're physically kind of tired or mentally kind of tired but you're also like energized still if you enjoy no the doubt work, about it you know like yeah no doubt about it like when, home. when we land at, at 3 a.m and you know, Chicago one night after a night game against Boston, it's, it, you know, you think about, oh, I got all this work to do to prep for this next series. But then you wake up and it gets you fired up because, you know, you're going into, you know, a major league stadium to prepare for a major league game and you got the NY on your chest. So it's it's very exciting and just the stakes are high. So it, it motivates you to get it done and, and be a professional. Absolutely. So one thing I'm really curious about is, you know, you obviously had a successful playing career, made it to a level higher than pretty much, you know, like 99% of the population, right? So what was it like transitioning from being a player to a coach? And maybe what were some of the things that you struggled with, at least initially? Sure. I mean, to be honest, it was rather easy. I was I was ready from an emotional and like a life standing standpoint. The minor leagues is tough, man. It's especially if you're not like a prospect that's not zooming through the system. You know, I, I moved around a lot from affiliate to affiliate. And while it was very fun and an unbelievable experience, and I loved every second of it, it, it was to the point where I was ready in my relationship with my girlfriend, my who is now my wife, to kind of settle down. And this job gave me some stability to know that I'm going to be in New York for the entire season instead of maybe hopping around from from Tampa to Trenton to Charleston. You know, so w- one thing I did struggle with, I would say maybe is like changing my lens as far as how I watched or evaluated the game. I had to ask a lot of questions, especially from our analytics guys and our on-staff analysts, which was a huge help to me in trying to understand kind of what they value and taught me a lot about myself as a player. I and mean, my former teammates, you know, kind of understanding like who's good and why they're good. Right. Um, and then like being able to sit in the in the stadium and watch the game every day, watch these major league caliber players. Like you said, I had a successful career and, you know, you most people and, you know, I, I can look back and say I was an OK player, but I, I definitely uh, learned that I wasn't even close to good enough to play in the big league. So that, <laughs> even, that even farther validated my decision to stop playing and, and join the, the staff on this side of the game. So yeah. I would say it was a it was a very easy decision and at the time and probably even easier looking back now that knowing where I, where I am, and where I feel that I'm going in this game. My upside is probably higher on this side than it would have been on the field. Yeah, for sure. Don't you wish that you knew the things that you know now as a coach when you were playing 
brother. I think about that every day. <laughs> I, I would have approached my development, my time in the cage, my time doing all my work way differently if I would have just known. And that's honestly, that's one thing that we talk about every day as a staff is like, how much information can we give these guys? And for me as a player, like no information would have been too much, but that that is, you know, a line you might have to draw in the sand with some guys that might overthink things. And, you know, some guys are more cerebral than others, but yeah, man, I wish I would have known. You know, even half, 50% of what right. I know now when I was playing, that would have been very beneficial. <laughs> so one thing that I know you're really big on and a, a task or a job that you take very seriously in your current position is this idea of self-evaluation and helping athletes be real about where they're at as an athlete. So could you just talk to us a little bit more about that process? Yeah, sure. This is probably going to be my my biggest answer here. A little bit about like kind of what I just talked about. You have to be able to self-evaluate. And in order to do that, you know, you got to know what's important. So people talk a lot about be your best coach as an athlete. Like you, you'll really start to have success when you understand who you are and how to coach yourself. But how about, you know, be your best evaluator? For me, there's there's two types of evaluation. There's inactivity, which is in-game evaluation, which is very tough because there's a lot of emotion involved, right? For for a pitcher or a hitter in-game, when, when he makes a, a bad or a good pitch or takes a bad swing, it's hard for him to remove the emotion from that. So that's when coaching, you know, from our coaching staff comes into play is being able to calm the guy down and separate the emotion and maybe cue him in a certain way to have success in his next at bat or the next inning or the next pitch. And then there's post-activity evaluation. So for me, that's where you can be a self-evaluator is post-activity, right? You can remove the emotion from it, whether it's after the game or the next day or two days later, if you're in a different sport than baseball. And you, you can really start to understand how you performed, why you performed that way, and be honest with yourself. And being honest doesn't necessarily mean bad. If you were right. a stud that night, then tell yourself that. Tell yourself you were a stud. Build yourself up. But be able to find out why you were a stud. You know, find those metrics or those those checkpoints that allowed you to be good that night. Or even in that at bat in a smaller sample size. Yep. Or if it's a larger sample size, if you're evaluated and on a month-to-month basis, you can you can find out a lot more. You know, and, and then set your goal to repeat or improve upon that performance. And if it, if it was bad, then be honest with yourself and find out why it was bad on the other side of the coin. And you can lean on your coaches and you can lean on the people around you to the evaluation. But once you start to figure it out on what makes you successful versus what makes you not successful, I think that's where you can really take off as an athlete or a performer or a coach or, you know, this applies to all of us. I'm, I'm speaking a lot about our players on the field, but you and I can use this on a daily basis to self-evaluate ourselves and on how we interacted with our, our peoples, our, the players on the field, or your athletes in your gym. So be, I think being your best coach a lot of the time depends on being your best evaluator. So to follow up on that, you make a great point. And one of the, the hardest things I think, this is like huge for me, but it's also very difficult when you're an athlete and you're younger because there's so much emotion involved with sports, right? And it's so hard to... At least in my opinion, it's hard to dissociate like the objective side of I did this, this or this like well, or I didn't do this well, taking that objective element and taking the emotion out of it. So how how would you do that? So like if you've got like a young guy struggling, you know, and emotionally you can tell he's down. How can you withdraw some of that emotional side and make it like kind of just get him refocused on the objective side of it? Right. I think that that changes a lot depending on kind of where the athlete is in his his or her career. Like in the big leagues, obviously, it's a big stage and you're depending on performance to make, you know, ends meet and you want to win. So for those guys, you know, it's a lot different than it would be for maybe a minor league guy or somebody coming up in the G League or in, in college basketball where they're still – 
kind of scratching the surface in their development. You know, you yeah. can you can lean on, you know, some smaller wins and some smaller victories within the game. Like maybe they had a, a pretty poor performance overall, but they did a two or three things really well. And you can really lean on those pillars to kind of build them up and say, hey, like the end result might not have been great, but you're making progress in these two or three areas and just kind of get their momentum going to build their confidence. You know, like athletes feed off feeling good about their performance and feeling good about where they're at in their development. So being able to kind of like keep that ball rolling in the right direction is huge. So while, you know, things might not go a hundred percent their way, if you can find two or three things that did and really build off those, that's kind of how you would keep them in the right mindset instead of thinking so negative all the time. Yeah. No, I love that. And you beautifully illustrated. So like I'm doing like some consulting work for, for one of my basketball guys and sent him like 10 minutes of feedback on like, you know, some defensive work that we've been putting in and just didn't watch the video. I'm like, dude, why did you not watch the video? He's like, well, I played like, like garbage. I didn't want to watch the video. And I'm like, look, like you can feel like that. Like, and that's okay. Like you can be upset with yourself, but like the next day, that's when it's like, you got to distance yourself from it. Like, okay, it happened. It's in the past. I can't do anything about it now, but I can use this as a way to develop myself going forward. And so then he went and watched the video and like the next game, he like did some of the stuff we talked about. So it's like, dude, that's why you do that. And then, like you said, you get some momentum. He feels better about himself and now he's executing better on the defensive side. So I love that. I love that idea of finding small wins and trying to get the momentum going back in the right direction again. Yeah, I don't think you can be afraid to watch your video if you had a poor game. Obviously, the timing of it is important. Like, I would never ask a guy after he just gave up five home runs in an out and to go in the video room and let's watch all five of those homers. You know, I'm going to wait a day or two or maybe even three, four days until we go back and evaluate, like, the result that happened and why that result happened. And like you said, take the emotion out of it. And we're not angry anymore. You know, we're just simply trying to get better. And like, that's where the great athletes separate themselves from the average athletes. They recognize, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses and how they can separate those and use their strengths to their advantage. I love it. I love it. So once you've started this self-evaluation process, or you've started evaluating an athlete, how do you go about creating an action plan? And I mean, I hate that that terminology because it just sounds so dated. But you know what I mean? Like, how do you go in there and say, okay, we've identified these three things that we want you to work on. How do you go about setting up an action plan or a process to help these athletes continue to grow and evolve? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you might not like the verbiage, but an action plan is necessary for any progress, right? Like some, yeah. you have to have some sort of goal setting or, or a plan in place to get anything done. So most of the time we'll... we'll try and lay out a great plan for the players based on their strength and weaknesses report. And in our world and in the game of baseball, if you have an overwhelming strength, we want you to use that strength as much as possible. So if you're not using that strength, then you're probably doing it wrong. Um, So we're going to spend a lot of time kind of driving that message home and we'll spend time working on the weaknesses, but in the right forums. So we're not going to spin our wheels working on a weakness that may have adverse effects on your strength. You know, your action plan should be there to optimize you as a player, you as a person, you as an athlete and find ways to improve upon or if it's diminishing returns, we're going to completely throw out that weakness as a skill. Let's say a guy, you know, thinks he's he's good at throwing a changeup, but really in, in in reality, the changeup gets hit pretty pretty hard. And we've tried to work on that for a couple months, but it's not getting any better. We're just going to throw it out because we, we're not going to tell him to throw that pitch 10% of the time if that 10% of the time is going to be have adverse results. Right. So we're going to focus and put that 10% into a strength instead of the the weakness. So, you know, there's great players all over every sport that have huge weaknesses that nobody even notices or cares about, right? Like 
J.D. Martinez, for example, has been a great hitter in the big leagues for the last five, ten years. He can't steal a base, and they don't <laughs> ask him to steal a base, and he knows that he can't steal a base. So he doesn't waste his time trying to improve his foot speed or reading pitchers' pickoff moves because that's not in his game. Yeah. You know, you talk about the NBA. Giannis doesn't shoot three-pointers well. Right. But he, he knows that, so he attacks the hoop because that's his strength. You know, he right. still won an MVP. Same thing with Steph Curry. Like, he, he knows where his strengths are, and he uses those strengths in his game. So know your game, and that's what we've tried to provide our players with is, is ways for them to know themselves better and to use those strengths in competition, and that will in turn build confidence, and then confidence will in turn reap results. Yeah, so, I love it. You know, it's an it's a ever-going system. You know, the thing that I love, too, is – for so long, we were like, oh, you got to you got to fix your weaknesses. You got to build them up. And now I think we've all kind of come to the realization like weaknesses are weaknesses for a reason. Right. Right. Like they're not magically going to get better. And you're not going to take Usain Bolt and teach him to be a cross country runner. Right. <laughs> like it just doesn't make sense. But I, I love that idea, too, of, you know, look, the first kind of, of line of defense is can we mitigate it? Right. Is it a big enough issue that we need to mitigate it? And if it's not or if it's something we don't have to worry about, like who cares? Right. Like maximizing strengths. And and I think that's something that that is hugely impactful in our world, too. Right. Like not everybody's going to be the best transformation coach. Not everybody's going to be the best coach with athletes or female clients or whatever. Like find your strengths and hone in on that because that's what's going to draw people to you. And that's what's going to make you the most successful. No doubt about it. And there's there's people that excel in certain sports, you know, like our good friend Eric knows his knows his niche and he does it well. You know, right. if he has a question and he, and he doesn't know the answer, he's going to refer you out to somebody else who does. Right. I love it. So let's talk worst case scenario. Let's say you've taken the time, you've evaluated an athlete, you've created an action plan, but for some reason, whatever reason, they're just not taking the steps that you know they need to do to be successful. Like, how do you intervene there? How do you try and like reconnect with that person to get them back on board? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the name of the game there is assess and reassess. Like that's that's going to be the name of the game in any profession, whether it's yours or mine, and find out why they're not taking the steps or why they're not. And, you know, drawn to the action plan that you've put in place. Is it a motivation issue? Is it their work ethic? Is it a physical limitation? Is it something going on with their nervous system? Or are you are you cueing them wrong? There's a, a laundry right. list of, of reasons why an athlete wouldn't be taken to the action plan. If they're physically incapable, then we make an adjustment there on the strength and conditioning side or the PT side to maybe help them. If it's not going to get better even with that, then we probably need to adjust the action plan Accordingly, if they're just uninterested, then you have to show the value of the skill that we're trying to teach them. Make comps to other players that have made the adjustment or have this skill. Make comps to guys that haven't and maybe show them, you know, in our world, that leads to contracts. So you show them, obviously, the yep. the monetary rewards that will come their way if they can beat this player, player X instead of player Y. And, you know, at that point, it's up to the athlete at this professional level. Like they need to hold themselves accountable. If they want to be better, then they're going to make the, the attempt to be better. If they're not and they're complacent, then you know, that will play out in the way that it should. So obviously it's different for, for each level and each profession and each each player. If they're under a long-term contract, then we really need to step up our game and make sure that we're getting a value out of the player. If they're not, then they're going to find their way out the door as soon as, as, soon as uh, that might take place. Right. And you bring up such a great point because if you don't work in pro sports or you haven't been around enough pro athletes, I think you you would probably assume that everybody in that world is highly motivated and that's not the case or that they all have the same motivations, right? Yeah, that, that would make our jobs easier, wouldn't it, Mike? <laughs> well, I mean, dude, it would be so easy. But like there's absolutely varying levels of motivation and it's not based on success. Like some dudes are hugely successful and are very low motivation 
or maybe not playing because, you know, they care to be super competitive. Some dudes are literally in it for the paycheck. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. We've talked a lot about strengths and weaknesses and knowing yourself and being a great self-evaluator, but there are certainly those specific individuals out there who just show up every day and they're just good at what they do and they don't know why or they don't really care to know why they just are. Yeah. But, you know, that's the white whale. And that's the, the the great example of like, hey, man, like, good for you. Keep doing what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Great point. And yeah, it it, it frustrates you a little bit. Right. Because, you know, I mean, obviously you're passionate about baseball. I was passionate about basketball growing up. Like you wish you had like a tenth of these people's natural talent. Man. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it frustrates the grinders, the guys that got to show up every day and put in the work hours and hours on end and take care of their body and eat the right stuff. But, yeah. you know, there are those those genetic freaks out there that show up. You know, not all of us can be uh, motivated like Kobe Bryant and have the, the physical skill set of Giannis Antetokounmpo or be as talented as LeBron James. It's, it's yeah. just it's just not in the cards. Yeah. That's why we make pretty darn good coaches, though. I'd like yeah, to think we had to tight, a good coach. We had to tighten all the screws to get what we could out of our bodies. Right. Exactly. Right. So exactly. my guy I always ask the big question. If you could alter the space time continuum and give young Radley Haddad one piece of advice about training in or life, what would it be? Man, that's a loaded question. I know. <laughs> I would say if, if we're specifically talking about training and, you know, sports performance start earlier, man, like I didn't meet you until I was 21 years old and a junior in college. And, um, you know, from that point on, I definitely took off as far as my my ability to perform. And if I would have started that earlier, I see kids coming in your gym that are 12 years old, you know, and they have the work ethic and the desire to get better. And if I would have been able to like I said earlier, know what I know now 10 years ago and know what I knew at 21 when I was 15, it would have, you know, benefited me. So start earlier, man, expose yourself to, to people that are smarter than you get in the gym, start to understand, you know, what makes a good player, a good player do research. These kids these days are so smart. And like, I had the opportunity to talk to a group of, of baseball players when I was back in India over the holiday that, you know, they were, they were so smart, you know, as smart as I am now, just because they, they use the resources at their fingertips. They use Twitter, they go online, they read the driveline baseball articles, they read these blogs. And yeah, I think the advice I would give myself was just start earlier because, you know, you can always get better. I love it. I love it. All right, my guy, last but not least, we've got our lightning round. So I'm really interested in your answers here. First one, what's your career highlight so far? It could be as an athlete or as a coach. You know what? I got to say 2017 postseason. That year was a, a ride for me just being in the big leagues for the first time as a staff member. And we weren't supposed to be, you know, anything great that year. We had a lot of young talent, a lot of young kids coming up. But we ended up in the ALCS game seven against the Astros. We were one game away from the World Series. And that ride was awesome. You know, it's made me hungry to get back. And like it kind of drives me every day. You hear guys say that. And I can say the same thing from the, the staff side as a player would from being on the field. Like that that moment makes you want to get back there because it felt so good. You know, right. that was very, very cool. It was really cool watching your Instagram that year as you like were going through all the different stadiums and yeah. felt like my guy made it, you know, like he is he is big time now. It's definitely cool to see the, all the different ballparks and the atmospheres and, and walking into a playoff atmosphere is unlike any other feeling. Yeah. It's cool. That's awesome. Number two, what's the best part about working for the New York Yankees? Every day matters, man. And the expectation, like with with expectation comes pressure and responsibility and you have to be on your game because if you're not, someone else is going to be there and, and want your job. So showing up to put that NY on every day and rolling out there expecting to win. Like we show up in spring training every year and our goal is the World Series. And that's that's not even debatable. There's not even a conversation. It's like 
this is what we are supposed to do. We're the New York Yankees. So that's the best part is the expectation, I would say, to win. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Number three, you're a catcher or you were a catcher in your heyday. Who is the hardest throwing pitcher you've ever caught for? Oh, that one's easy. Or all this chat. Man, yes. <laughs> He's pretty incredible. That's uh that's quite a specimen. You talk about guys that are naturally gifted, but he also works his ass off. So, yeah, he's he really lets it go. So I, when he was on assignment, he was with like AAA in Indianapolis for a couple games. I don't remember when this was, but one of our good friends is the the groundskeeper there. So I was hanging out with the guy groundskeeper. It's like seventh inning. Yeah. And I'm like, who is this guy? Because literally his forearms just like were just like cut out of like cable wire. It was. I was like, this guy's got to be somebody. And then I go, oh, that's a Raldis Chapman. Okay. If you're if you're looking for a good follow on Instagram, especially in the off season, this guy is it, man. He's got right. his crew of seven, seven to eight guys. They roll out every day to the gym, and he's just putting <laughs> up weight on everything, man. It's it's awesome. I'm gonna have to go check him out right now. Okay, so I'm gonna throw one like bonus question at you, and I don't think this will get anybody in trouble. But we all know it was between me and Eric Cressy for that position. Um, you know, I, and I understand, like, he's the baseball guy and all that. But talk to me about bringing Eric on board and what that means to the club. Man, I'm so thrilled to have him. He's he's earned this opportunity. You talk about earning, you know, chances that you get in your career. And this guy's been obviously a force in the baseball world for a long time. And we're fortunate to have him to be able to bring him on board. And, and the role that he's in is going to help our organization a lot. And I've been lucky enough to know Eric for a long time. And we have a great relationship and I think that he's going to really make a, a big difference in our organization top to bottom, just being able to be there for the guys and be a resource for all of our coaches. And the, the biggest factor for me with Eric is that he can understand, you know, the skill side of it too. Like he understands how the body moves within the swing and how the body moves within the pitch and delivery. And he can kind of bridge the gap between those skill coaches and the strength side. So being able to kind of understand why these guys are doing what they're doing in the gym and how that's going to affect what they're doing on the field is huge. So yeah, we're, we're so fortunate to have Eric and yeah, you know, my feelings on him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, I understood, like, I really, I really thought it was going to be me, but you know, Eric, you know, well, you know, you, you, you got the beard now, so you can't even come on board. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask oh, you yeah, to shave true. the beard. That's so, true. you know, you, you'd have to, so if you're willing to trim that, I might be able to put some negotiations <laughs> out there for you, but with that thing on your face, yeah. you, you can't put on the NY, the pinstripes aren't going to suit you. That's true. I'm going Ian Kadish level. You remember my guy from the Man, that yeah. beard is epic. I, I see Ian on the field across across the lines, <laughs> and that thing you can't miss him because that thing is awesome. I love that guy, man. All right, so last but not least, what's next for Radley Haddad? What do you got coming up? What are you excited about? Talk to me. Yeah, spring training is coming up. You know, once the new year hits, it kind of gets it gets real. Like you're itching for baseball again. So we got spring training middle of February. We'll head down there and. Like I said, the expectation is there. World Series. We got a, We had a great offseason putting together a really good team. But, um, we, you know, with that good team comes expectations that are even higher than they were last year. So here we go. Yeah. No, I love that, man. People ask me a lot of times, like, why do I trend towards pros at this point? And it's just that level of competition, right? And the expectations that are there. It's like nobody at that level is just, I don't know, they're not, they're all trying to get to another level. And that's that's the way I look at myself professionally. That's the way they look at themselves as athletes. So I know you and I can both agree it makes our jobs infinitely more exciting when there's a lot of a lot of stake when you go to work every day. No doubt about it. Yeah. Showing up there with expectation really drives you. For sure. 
Well, Rad, you've been awesome to talk to you today, my guy. Appreciate you coming on. Where can my listeners find out more about you or what, you, what you're doing every day? Yeah, so like you said, my Instagram, I'll put up some stuff, you know, kind of day in the life, daily stuff that I do. I also put up pictures of me and my wife. So uh, <laughs> if you're looking for like coaching or ba- or baseball style stuff, I'm better on Twitter, at Radley Haddad on Twitter. And then on Instagram, it's at Rad underscore Haddad. So a little bit of a varying personality on each, but uh, yeah. I think both of them are pretty good content. For sure, for for sure. And I'll make sure I get those both linked up in the show notes. But again, my guy, so good to have you on. Glad I got you before spring training hit. And uh, thanks for coming on the show, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, brother. It's always a thrill. Appreciate you having me. All right, my friends, that does it for this week's show with Radley. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. He's just one of those guys. I love catching up with him. I'm going to love learning from him more and more as his role involves, as he continues to learn more about the game and about the analysis and statistical side of baseball. And he's just somebody that, you know, I think it's really helpful for us to seek out people that are maybe on the fringe of our profession, not in hardcore strength and conditioning or not just in personal training. But see how people in other realms that are similar to ours work, how they operate, how they focus on growth and development within themselves and within the people they work with. So if you enjoyed this show, I'd truly appreciate it if you could share it with anybody, anywhere. doesn't matter. If it works for you, it works for me. As you know, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care. <laughs>